0: The Jonathan Cruz case was hastily investigated by authorities, but many questions remain. Come behind the curtain with private investigator Sheila Waisaki as she uncovers the truth about what happened to Jonathan. This is Without Warning. Warning. The following episode contains elements that are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised.
1: On the last episode, you heard from the Cruz family, Pam, John, and Danny reliving the heart-wrenching night Jonathan died. Henry Sue, the mentor, the head of the family, called Pam after he picked up Brenda from the police station. Here is the clip from Pam retelling the story.
2: Henry Sue called somewhere in the middle of the night. John answered and handed the phone to me. Uh, I spoke with Henry, although John said he was able to overhear the entire conversation. And Henry told me about how he had picked Brenda up at the police station, taken her to get something to eat, and then drove her to her house. I believe she lived in Garland. I'm not sure. Maybe Grand No, Grand Prairie. Um, but he said, she told me what happened. Would you like to know? And I said, yes. And so he told me about their day, kind of how they'd argued off and on. They'd had some dinner, uh, gone to bed, and that they continued to argue. And Brenda had gotten mad at Jonathan, so she went into the bathroom. And he said eventually she came out of the bathroom, but she was still mad at Jonathan, so she went and sat in the living room. And while she was in the living room, She suddenly heard Jonathan yell out, cover your ears, and then she heard a gunshot, and then she ran into the room at that point and found that Jonathan was already shot. And somehow those words, she found that he was already shot. I don't know why, but in that moment it struck me. It was just weird. But those were the exact words he used.
1: Take note of the story retold to Pam this week's episode, I will go through the night of the shooting, what Brenda told the police, and, of course, what Brenda told the family and their members. Pam told us about the scene when she showed up at Jonathan's apartment. Police cars and fire trucks taking over the parking lot. The police were already in the apartment. Brenda was seen in the breezeway talking to the police. I will read Officer Aaron Sparks initial official report once all the way through and then I will read it and break it apart. This is his official report on 2 February 2014 at 2335 hours. Officer Sparks was dispatched at 600 South MacArthur, apartment number 813, Capel, Dallas County, Texas, in reference to a possible suicide. Upon arrival, Officer Sparks observed a white female standing in front of Building 8 in the parking lot, Officer Sparks made contact with the female who was later identified as Brenda Lazaro. She stated that he shot himself and he was in the apartment while pointing to the Building 8. Coppell medics were staged outside of the apartment waiting for the officers to secure the scene. Officer Sparks and Officer Smith made entry into 813. As Officer Sparks entered the apartment, he could smell what appeared to be gunpowder. In a bedroom past the living room was a white male who was later identified as Jonathan Michael Cruz, laying on his back in bed. Officer Sparks noticed blood coming from the left side under Cruz's body. There was also a black semi-automatic handgun laying on the bed on the left side of the body. The pistol was laying on its left side and it was pointed towards Cruz's feet. Officer Sparks then used a glove to pick up the handgun and remove it from the bedroom to ensure the safety of everyone at the scene. Officer Sparks placed the handgun in the kitchen and exited the apartment. Officer Sparks noticed that Lazaro was crying and very distraught. He also noticed that Lazaro had blood on the palms of both of her hands. Lazaro stated that it was Cruz's blood. Officer Sparks spoke with Lazaro who stated the following information. Lazaro arrived at the apartment at 1600 hours on 2 14 Lazaro and Cruz had previously been arguing about another girl named Emily. So when Lazaro arrived at the apartment, They were not really talking to each other. Lazaro said that they did not talk for most of the night, but they were watching TV together. A little later in the night, Cruz and Lazaro went to bed. Cruz fell asleep, but Lazaro did not. Cruz woke up after a short time and said he was hungry. Cruz ordered Chinese food and had it delivered to the apartment. They both ate and continued to watch TV. Cruz told Lazaro, I love you. Lazaro replied, I love you too. But when they started talking about Emily again, which upset Cruz, at this time, Lazaro was sitting on the floor at the foot of the bed and Cruz was in bed. He said, baby, I love you. And I'm going to show you that I love you. Cruz told Lazaro to cover her ears multiple times. But Lazaro refused. Then she heard a gunshot, got up, and saw that Cruz had shot himself. Lazaro observed blood underneath Cruz and a black handgun on the bed. She immediately put her hands on his chest to stop the bleeding and then picked up the phone and dialed 911. Lazaro stated that Cruz was a very nice person and never indicated suicidal tendencies. She stated that he was not under the influence of alcohol or any narcotics. She also stated that Cruz was always happy. Her and Cruz have been dating for about three months, and this was the third argument they had ever been in. I will be posting the official report on my Patreon page at Without Warning Podcasts. I am now going to give you my observations regarding the official report from Officer Aaron Sparks. On 2 February 2014 at 23:35 hours, Officer Sparks was dispatched to 600 South MacArthur, apartment number 813. Coppell, Dallas County, Texas, in reference to a possible suicide. Upon arrival, Officer Sparks observed a white female standing in front of Building 8 in the parking lot. Officer Sparks made contact with the female, who was later identified as Brenda Lazaro. She stated that he shot himself, and he is in the apartment while pointing to Building 8. Coppell medics were staged outside the apartment, waiting for officers to secure the scene. Now, I'm going to break in here just so you know. It is protocol that if there is a gun, known gun, on the premise, officers do have to secure the scene before medics go in. That is standard protocol. Getting back to the official report. Officer Sparks and Officer Smith made entry into apartment A13. As Officer Sparks entered the apartment, he could smell what appeared to be gunpowder. In the bedroom, past the living room, was a white male who was later identified as Jonathan Michael Cruz, laying on his back in bed. I'm going to break in again. I want you to pay attention to the scene described by Officer Sparks. So Jonathan is laying on his back in bed, who was later identified as Jonathan Michael Cruz, laying on his back in bed. Officer Sparks noticed blood coming from the left side under Cruz's body. There was also a black semi-automatic handgun laying on the bed on the left side of the body. Let me say that again. There was also a black semi-automatic handgun laying on the bed on the left side of the body. The pistol was laying on its left side and it was pointed towards Cruz's feet. I'm gonna break in again. A few things that you should know about guns. When you shoot yourself, you don't have time to place a gun neatly on the side of your body or anywhere. Now think about it. Where will the gun land once it is shot? Would it land nicely laying next to Jonathan? The two officers should have taken that bit of scientific evidence between guns and physics, but let's finish the rest of the report. Officer Sparks then used a glove to pick up the gun and remove it from the bedroom to ensure the safety of everyone at the scene. Officer Sparks placed the gun in the kitchen and exited the apartment. I am going to take a pause here so you can think about this. Because at this point, everyone is wondering, did Officer Sparks, trained professional, take a picture of the gun before moving the piece of evidence? The answer would be not to our knowledge. Let's get back to the report. Officer Sparks noticed that Lazaro was crying and very distraught. He also noticed that Lazaro had blood on the palms of both of her hands. Remember what Brenda said on the 911 call, she only had blood on the palms of her hands. Of course, one would assume the police listened to the 911 call and would know what to look for on Brenda for evidence. If you've listened to my podcast, you know, police are trained to treat crime scenes as a homicide until they're not. So everything the police did that night should have been treated as a homicide. And we are under the assumption based on what the Cruz family stated, the police were treating this as a homicide. However, looking at the paperwork, one has to wonder. Before I begin on the statement, Brenda told Officer Sparks, I want to point out a few things. Taking the information on what happened is great. However, keep in mind, this is being told to the officer, not Brenda writing her story. You are hearing what Officer Sparks heard or interpreted. And once again, the spelling and the typos in the report will make your eyes roll back in your head. So here we go. Lazaro stated it was Cruz's blood. Officer Sparks spoke with Lazaro, who stated the following information. Lazaro arrived at the apartment at about 1,600 hours on 2-2-14. Lazaro and Cruz had previously been arguing about another girl named Emily. So when Lazaro arrived at the apartment, they were not really talking to each other. Lazaro said they did not talk for most of the night, but they were watching TV together. A little later in the night, Cruz and Lazaro went to bed. Cruz fell asleep, but Lazaro did not. Cruz woke up after a short time and said he was hungry. Cruz ordered Chinese food and it delivered to the apartment. They both ate and continued to watch TV. Cruz told Lazaro, I love you. Lazaro replied, I love you too, but then started talking about Emily again, which upset Cruz. Here is where I really want you to pay attention. At this time, Lazaro was sitting on the floor at the foot of the bed and Cruz was in bed. So picture this, Brenda is sitting on the floor at the foot of the bed and Jonathan was in bed. I hope you can visualize that. He said, baby. I love you, and I'm going to show you that I love you." Cruz told Lazaro to cover her ears multiple times. Then she heard a gunshot, got up, and saw that Cruz had shot himself. Lazaro observed blood underneath Cruz and a black gun on the bed. She immediately put her hands on his chest to stop the bleeding and then picked up the phone to dial 911. Again, this is very important. Lazaro stated that Cruz was a very nice person and never indicated suicidal tendencies. She stated that he was not under the influence of alcohol or any narcotics. She also stated that Cruz was always happy. Her and Cruz have been dating for about three months And this is the third argument that they've ever been in. That is extremely important. The last two paragraphs are very, very important. When you do an investigation, what the only witness that is alive says, you go back and you start from the beginning. Could it happen that way? And that's what I did. I'm gonna pause for a moment for a commercial break. I can't wait to discuss the official report with my Patreon members. But in this episode, you're gonna hear the different statements that Brenda made to the family members. The first clip you'll hear is Henry Sue, the self-proclaimed mentor and head of the family. He is also the owner and head teacher at the Capel Kung Fu School, extremely close to Brenda and very protective of her. He has undoubtedly had extensive conversations with Brenda about the relevant events. At one point while talking to Pam, Jonathan's mother, Henry said he advised Brenda not to take a polygraph and not to talk to the police anymore. One has to wonder why. During my investigation, it was reported that Henry was close to 60 at the time. He was born and raised in the jungle of Bornea. Henry was educated in a Catholic school and came to the US for college. He has a PhD in some fields of science and teaches molecular biology, Kung Fu and Tai Chi at Northlake College at the time of my investigation. He owns and operates Wu Yi Kung Fu and Kapel, a school which operates under the umbrella of the master, Johnny Lee, who owns and operates his school, Lee's White Leopard Kung Fu in Dallas. Henry always said that Brenda was like a daughter to him. The second voice you're hearing is Tom Shaw, the Dallas attorney for the wrongful death case.
3: Of course, I asked what happened. What did she say? She said that uh, Jonathan shot himself. All right. What else? What details did she give you about Jonathan's death?
2: They were having a, a bit of
3: an argument, and to demonstrate his love for her, he put a gun to his heart. To his heart. Yes. Okay. And, and then. What happened? She, the next thing she heard was a a bang and she turned around and he was bleeding.
1: As you know, Matthew Kirk dated Brenda for an extensive period of time. You are about to hear some clips from Matthew. Remember, he met her in college and said he was in her classes and did all her homework. He joked with me that he earned her degree. Matthew appears to have very low self-esteem and apparently allowed Brenda to verbally abuse him even as recent as after Jonathan's death. Despite her verbal abuse, Matthew remained friendly with Brenda. Brenda texted Matthew on the morning of February 3rd. Yes, I said February 3rd after she was released by the police asking to come see him. Matthew said one of the stories that Brenda told him was that Jonathan had been playing with a gun and accidentally shot himself. Here are some of his recollections. And I said, what's wrong? And she says that
4: I don't want to talk about it. She's crying. I hugged her. I said, I'm sorry. She pushed me away after like 20-something seconds of hugging. And she says that this guy shot himself. She says, My boyfriend shot himself. Like, okay, so what happened? She says, Well, he shot himself. I was like, what, ha- what do you mean? What, he shot himself? He was like, Yeah, he was playing with a gun and he accidentally shot
3: himself in the head. So he was playing with a gun and he shot himself in the head? Mm-hmm. Is that what she told you?
1: Yeah. Brenda's sister said she was close to Brenda and that Brenda was quiet and would never hurt herself or others. However, her sister made a public report to the police that Brenda was missing, and she was concerned because of Jonathan's death and that Brenda had tried to harm herself several times in the past. Here are statements from Brenda's sister.
5: Right, what did she tell you? Uh, I don't remember the exact words. She just said that uh, he had shot himself. And I'm like, just what happened? And she said, I don't know, Brenda just called me and told me, you know, she was just crying and crying. She told me this happened and that's all.
3: Tell me everything that she told you a couple of weeks after Jonathan, she, uh, objection. Jonathan's uh-huh. death.
5: Yeah, she, well, the only thing that I know is that she said they were upset to each other. I don't know why, and she said that they were ha- they were not even having an argument, you know, or even raising their voice or nothing for him to have done what he'd done. And she said that, you know, while they were, you know, uh, talking in there, he just all of a sudden shot himself, saying that he was going to prove her that uh, he loved her. Because she was probably saying, you know, you don't love me or things like that. And that's how she told me. She was trying to figure out, you know, why that happened.
3: So she said they were arguing before the...
5: uh, Uh, Not arguing, she didn't say like arguing. She said, we're just like upset to each other because they were not even like in a big argument or screaming or yelling or raising their voice to each other, no. Mm
1: -hmm. Payam is a Kung Fu family member part of the family. Payam was described as shy and soft-spoken in large groups, but seemed to come alive in the presence of people he felt comfortable with. The consensus was he was easily swayed by others. Before the deposition, he became hostile towards the Cruz family and stated he was going to, quote, stick it to the Cruises, end of quote, in the deposition. Prior to the lawsuit, he had a good relationship with Pam and Danny. Danny and Pam spent many evenings talking about God from a Christian's perspective. They would answer many, many questions for him and invited him to go to church with them and mm-hmm which he did on one occasion. Payam seemed to be very protective of Brenda. There were quite a few photos during the investigation on Facebook where Brenda and Payam were hanging all over one another. Payam was much younger than her, reportedly socially awkward, looking for acceptance, and very malleable. When subpoenas were being sent out to the family, Payam passed along information advising at least one person to avoid service.
3: Whose gun was it that he used? It was his own. Okay. And do you know where he shot himself? Did she tell you that? No, she never... I assume
4: that it was the head, but I don't want to... These are not facts. I, right. I'm you, assuming, but I don't know exactly where he shot himself. And your assumption
3: is based on what Brenda told you, right?
4: Yeah, that he shot himself. Anywhere else besides the heart wouldn't necessarily be a direct kill. It would uh somewhere like the head, I was assuming. But I
3: don't know anything about it. And did she give you the impression that he intended to shoot himself or that it was accidental? It, it was
4: uh, It was accidental. Um, How from, so? From what I can remember that she told me back at last year, 2015, during May, was that he didn't know that there was a bullet in the gun. It was I don't know what that was about, but it was on accident.
3: Did she tell you that uh, she witnessed him shooting himself? Yes.
4: She saw it? She saw him get the gun and accidentally shooting himself.
1: At the time of my investigation, Sharon, longtime member of the family, the Kung Fu Family School in Dallas, and a former assistant district attorney for Denton County, Brenda and Sharon were very close, and Brenda asked Sharon for advice following Jonathan's death. Brenda very clearly thought of Sharon as an ally helping her. Reports were Brenda would ask Sharon for advice at each new development. The Cruises believed that Sharon was instrumental in helping Brenda. Sharon was one of the witnesses to Brenda saying she did not have a key to the apartment. I will go into more of the statements that Brenda made on another episode, but filed that away for later. Sharon was also a witness that stated, quote, she was afraid of Brenda, end of quote. Because she was afraid of Brenda, she didn't want Brenda to ever know she was involved in talking with Danny Cruz about Jonathan's death. Interesting, right? Evidently, Sharon doesn't have a very good memory because these are the only things she could remember saying. I can't remember everything she said, and she's sometimes um,
4: difficult to hear. She's very soft-spoken.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, she did tell me that she and Jonathan um, argued at the foot of the bed, that Jonathan was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I love you. And this is, this is what I remember of the night, um, or what she told me of what happened, that she went to the bathroom, and when she came out, he was already shot.
1: While you're thinking about that, let's take a commercial break. I saved the best for last. Karen, part of the family, was likely Brenda's best friend at the time of the shooting there are several instances in which the circumstances surrounding Jonathan's shooting almost certainly was discussed between Karen and Brenda. These include a meeting between the two the day after Jonathan's shooting. They also took a road trip together approximately a month after the shooting and a conversation the two following another member of the family, Alex's birthday. Among other conversations, Karen told me that Jonathan had been with Emily alone the morning of the shooting, instead of Emily and Jacob. This seems like an obvious lie designed to make Jonathan look bad. I could have an entire episode on Karen alone, which may happen.
3: Do you know what did she say what caused him to um, take the gun out.
6: Um. Not specifically, just
3: tell me generally.
6: They had been arguing. I thought they made up. He, they had been arguing. They made up, um, and then they started arguing again. And he was, uh, I don't know, trying to prove to her how much he loved her, or something.
3: And what were they arguing about?
6: Um, I I don't know. Um, it was. She was. T- I only have bits and pieces because she was speaking very quietly and she was kind of in shock, and occasionally she lapsed into Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish, but um, they were, I think, at his apartment. Um, she had. They had been arguing and she had, I think she went over there to take him something or, I don't know, and they argued again. But then they talked and they made up and they went to bed. So they went to bed, they were in bed, somebody woke up again um, and then he had a gun. And I don't remember where the gun came from um, or if she, I don't know if she told me, um, but he had a gun and he told her something about uh, like, cover your ears. I love you, cover your ears. And I don't know, then there was a shot.
3: Isn't it true that Brenda told you that she and Jonathan were fighting about Jonathan being alone earlier in the day with Emily? I
6: guess, yeah. Like I said, like, so, like you guys had been fighting or something, right? And you'd gone to to bed or something? And she said, yeah. And then I said, didn't he ask you like to cover your ears or something? And she said, yeah. Like stuff like that.
3: Okay, so you were confirming what she told you.
6: Like, I guess, yeah.
3: Did she tell you where exactly she was when Jonathan shot himself?
6: Just, I. I think she was in the room with him. I mean, Standing, I know she was in the room sitting,
3: laying down. What'd she say?
6: I think she was sitting. Where? On the bed, maybe. She said that they had been fighting. Okay, she went to his house to take some stuff. What stuff? His stuff, I think, I, I don't know. Return it? I think so.
3: So she was breaking up with him?
6: No but she just had something that was his. That's the impression that I got. Um, Clothes, maybe.
3: Okay.
6: Um, And she, they they had kind of resolved the issue, and they were talking about um, getting married in the future, Um, you know, having kids together one day, that kind of thing. And then they went to bed, started fighting again. Um, I think at some point one of them woke up to go to the bathroom or something and they started arguing again. Um, And then he had a gun and he said, cover your ears, cover your ears.
1: And then he was dead. You heard Officer Aaron Sparks' report. Now you're going to hear Officer Dale Smith's report. On 2 3, 2014, at approximately 000 hours, I, Officer Smith, was outside of Building 8 when I was approached by the family at Jonathan Cruz. I spoke with Jonathan Cruz's sister, Danielle Cruz who said she received a phone call from Brenda Lazaro at 2342 hours on 2 According to Danielle, Brenda told Danielle, quote, he shot himself, end of quote. Danielle said Brenda was hysterical and extremely hard to understand. Danielle was not able to understand anything else. After the phone call, Danielle and her family quickly responded to the apartment complex. I confirmed that Jonathan was deceased, but explained that due to the fact that it was early in the investigation, I did not have any further information. They understood and returned to the residence. Okay, guys, that's all he wrote. I think if it was a car accident, we might get a little bit more. A supplemental report was done by Officer Samuel Lujon. What is astounding to me is this sentence. On February 2nd, 2014, Sergeant John took over the crime scene entry duties for a suicide at 600 South MacArthur, Apartment 813, Coppell, Texas. Officer Aaron Sparks was the original officer maintaining the crime scene log. I am not sure if it's inexperience or incompetence, or they just don't give a damn the police officer made a determination it's suicide without actually doing an investigation. So let's recap the episode. Jonathan, who has told his friends and family he was breaking up with Brenda, wants to prove his love, so he shoots himself. But before he shoots himself, he is considerate enough to tell Brenda to cover her very delicate and sensitive ears. But remember what Brenda told other people about what happened that night. There was no argument. There was an argument. All of a sudden, he shot himself. She was in the other room, in the living room, in the bathroom. He shot himself to demonstrate his love for her. He just put the gun to his heart. He shot himself in the head. He shot himself in the heart. He was playing with the gun. It was an accident. He did it on purpose. He didn't know there was a bullet in the chamber. She saw him shoot himself. She didn't see him shoot himself. She saw him get the gun. She never saw the gun. It was an accident. It was on purpose. He was a happy guy. He didn't have suicidal thoughts. In every scenario, Brenda makes sure that the person that is hearing the story knows Jonathan loves her because this is her story, her ending, not Jonathan's. I spent two years investigating the death of Jonathan Cruz. As you listen to this podcast, I wanna hear from you. I wanna hear what you think Join us on Patreon at Without Warning Podcast and look behind the curtain at the Jonathan Cruz case. Hey, this is Morgan and this week's question is, would anybody that is part of the Kung Fu family be willing to go to jail to lie for Brenda? That question has been asked many times. I don't know the answer to it. I don't know if people are willing to cover up for somebody and live with it. But legally, if they're found out to cover up for something like this, there are consequences. And there are stories about the person that perpetrated a crime has gotten a deal, and the person that covered up for the perpetrator has gotten a stiffer sentence. So the question is, is it worth it? Because the truth is coming out in this case. Last week, Pam Cruz came on and answered questions of my Patreon members. That is next week's episode. My favorite things in Nashville, Aussie Petmobile. Oh my gosh, if you have dogs with hair, this is the company to reach out to. They come to your house, they put your dogs in this nice little salon and they bathe them and give them back to you beautiful. You can follow Private Eye Pups on Instagram at Private Eye Pups. You can follow Without Warning on Instagram at Without Warning P.I. You can follow us on Twitter at Scrappy Mom P.I. And on YouTube, we are Without Warning by Sheila Wisaki.
0: In every case, there is someone in the community who holds information that may be significant in solving a case. Relationships change over time, and many cold cases are solved when a former witness, friend, or relative is located who is tired of hiding information and shares that information with investigators. If you have any information about this case, please contact our voicemail comment line at 888-599-0008. You can leave an anonymous tip or you can leave your contact information. We will call you back and speak with you directly. You can also email information to Sheila at Sheila Wysocki.com. Without warning, executive director, executive producer and host Sheila Wisaki, announcer Tim Evans.